Hello, Candace. Hello, Miriam. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. It's sunny here um, in Gatineau, Quebec, in Canada, where I live. So how's the weather by you there? Very great. Very in line with the season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's That's true. true. Yeah. So today we've decided to tackle the topic of trauma and dating. How trauma impacts our dating life in in unexpected ways. Yeah. So what does that topic evoke for you, Candace? Uh, it's a loaded a, question. Huh? <laughs> it's a very loaded question because it it relates to I would say some of my, my shadow self. I would say some of my deepest insecurities, some of my uh, more intense triggering situation. Feels like mm-hmm. dating for me has always been a very magnifying <laughs> mirror of uh, my many, many of my my unresolved issues. And now that I'm a little bit of a grown up, I have a little bit of experience, I can say that in a very articulated way. It's equally fascinating and excruciatingly painful, not necessarily because of what the person was doing, but because of the turmoil, the vulnerability, the uncertainty, and the fear of abandonment was creating inside of me. And even till this day, I'm single and dating. Uh, Sometimes I catch myself having those very intense, not so positive feelings triggered by something insignificant. I think it's definitely a topic worth exploring and discussing because I have the feeling that lack of self-awareness and lack of trigger management and trauma management can lead us to sabotage ourselves, sabotage our relationships and miss the opportunity to enjoy the happiness we deserve, I guess. Yeah. And you, I really you're like happily, it. happily married. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I am, but you know, it's not all rosy. It's uh, like everything, it has mm-hmm. its ups and downs. And even before getting married, you have had your own process. Yeah, yeah. So I've dated uh, my first relationships. I did not know what I wanted. What did I want in a relationship? What is a healthy relationship? What are my needs? What needs do I want fulfilled in a relationship? I didn't know. I didn't know myself. I didn't grow up yeah. around healthy relationships. I didn't grow up with my parents. So I didn't see or anybody who was like happily married, treating each other with respect and love. So these are things you don't even know how it impacts you. And then you come, you're grown up, and then you're supposed to enter a relationship, know how to communicate, know how to have your needs met. And then you don't know all of that. You don't know where the boundaries are. Yeah. You don't know where what's yeah. just a difficult relationship process or uh, when it turns into abuse. So these are things you learn kind of by doing, you know, like with the episode we just did on workaholism, uh, past trauma impacts our relationships, just like our working life. It impacts every aspect of our lives and of, of course relationships because trauma happens in a relationship, like when it's in relationship, a person is traumatized mostly, the childhood trauma, it's in relationship with the parent, the guardian, another adult. Mm-hmm. A lot of healing can happen in a relationship. It takes a lot of work and consciousness, as you said before. 
sometimes it takes also a little bit of luck, eh? like especially yeah. if you have experienced uh, trauma, uncertainty, fear of abandonment, all those kind of things, mm -hmm. and you are you are lucky enough to get into a relationship with someone that is consistent, reliable, respectful, healthy communication, mm -hmm. and all those things. I, I think that it's not common enough to discuss the positive and healing power of a healthy relationship, basically. Yeah. But nevertheless, yeah. even unperfect relationships have, I, I truly have the power to expose what is in resolve inside of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. That you can always learn in every relationship and it can bring you a bit further on your journey to discover some parts of yourself, maybe know what you can accept or not accept. So yeah, it's always a learning process. And I think we should be compassionate with ourselves when relationships don't work. Because sometimes we are so hard on ourselves. Why? Because of society, Candace. I know you have something to say about that. Yes, yes. First, how do you, how do you say, just like you said, how do you set expectation when you haven't had a healthy relationship to model from? How do you learn to communicate your needs when you have never learned healthy communication, conflict resolution, and when your needs have never been anybody's priority prior to being an, into, a, into a romantic relationship? Uh, how do you learn to set healthy boundaries when your boundaries have always been neglected or violated? Unfortunately, not all of us are equal coming into a relationship. And it's important to be aware of that and to accept that, to be able to do the work, to give yourself a chance mm -hmm. to be happy despite the trauma and uh, get mm -hmm. to know who you could be at your best and not operate, not let the trauma dictate how and with whom you get into a relationship with. I have personally yeah. get into a few relationships that I had no business being into because of my unresolved issue yeah. and because I was craving things that I couldn't find within myself or outside of a romantic relationship. And even though I learned a lot and those relationships transformed me into a better version of myself and all those kind of things. Speaking of transformation, what was the most transforming impact a relationship has had on you, whether it's in terms of self-awareness, or affirming yourself, or in terms of growth in the way you show up in relationship in general? What happened and what was the transformation for you, the most significant? Before answering that question, I will just go back and say how trauma impacted the way I entered relationships. So growing up with childhood trauma, I did not know my needs, as I mentioned before, and I was scared to have needs. I was scared other people would find me needy. I did not know it was normal to have needs. We all have needs and it's okay. But me, I grew up thinking that it was shameful to have needs, that other people see you as needy. So I was hiding my feelings, trying to show that I didn't need anyone and things like that, which was not true, of course. <laughs> Especially when you know yourself and then I know that I'm kind of like hypersensitive when I thought that I didn't have emotions. I don't think and I don't feel anything. It's really like, you know, you don't know yourself. And in relationships, I wanted to leave out the values that were instilled in me in early childhood. So my mom's family is Muslim. So I've decided that I'm going to marry one guy and that's it. So I'm not going to have relationships. And, uh, and uh, it's true, like I met this guy. Okay, it was not one guy, it was the second guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we decided to marry and things didn't work out. 
at the end, I had to realize that he was in a bad situation with regards to his documents. He needed to get married, and then it was not really a good situation for me. So I stopped the relationship. But that relationship opened my eyes. It showed me how controlling I was, how insecure I was. I did not give him space to like, I was like, why do you put your shirt on the table? No one puts their shirt on the table. Where did you grow up? Like super, super controlling because that's how I manage my life by controlling everything. So this person came and was kind of disrupting, you know, all my repressed emotions. So I had to kind of control it, you know? And uh, Mm -hmm. so from that relationship, uh, it opened my eyes and I think I didn't see the red flags. I wanted to please him so much. I just wanted the relationship to work so much that I didn't, I ignored all the red flags. So after that, I, I decided to read Le Manipulateurs sont parmi nous, Manipulators are among us. I realized how naive I was. And so I learned that that's my first, I would say, shift. And it came in a relationship and with confrontation with another human being and opening my heart. So yeah. That's a uh, thought provoking, definitely. To realize yeah. that not only were you insecure, but as an insecure person, you were also very controlling. And even in the way you predecided what the relationship was going to be was also a way to control the outcome and make yourself feel safer and more stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you compare uh, this, like your early dating when you started dating and a bit later, you know, like in your 20s? In my 20s, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I deserved. I obviously had zero negotiation, boundary setting, communication skills. I was just hoping for a prince to save me from someone who was decent enough, who was equipped to make a relationship work, come and join me. And I was willing to be cooperative and be faithful and collaborate to make that work without having any skills though. And I learned very quickly that nobody is going to, coming to save you, honey. At some point I was in a relationship with someone that I was very close to in age and we had a lot in common, but it was more for my bonding than anything else. We were coming from a place of hurt from different reasons. And we were super young in our early 20s, late teens, him early 20s. And we bonded with passion and pain. And it was as passionate and dysfunctional as that kind of young love can be. I went from that to being in a relationship with someone who was a little bit older, more experienced that I met after a series of drama and loss within my family. So I was feeling like the world is coming to an end. My family is coming to an end. I need a family. I, I need a family. I need a family. And you had that older guy who was lonely, was experienced, was very present and caring, love bombing. <laughs> uh, but yeah. at the time I did didn't realize who was there for me consistently more than I ever expected. And even if he wasn't my type at some point, I ended up starting a relationship with him and be like, hmm, it didn't look like the Prince Charming I envisioned, but he is my savior. He was verbally, physically abusive. He was <laughs> narcissistic in the, all the worst possible ways, manipulative, dishonest, also traumatized in his own ways. And he made me the person I am today. It's because of him that I have been able to get into French, top French business school, build a career of my own, being resilient, having strategizing skills, problem-solving skills, and basically became a coach. And he also gave me aspiration because I was looking at the life he had. And I was like, hmm, I would like to have that for myself as well. Not necessarily true. I mean, I would like to 
be able to provide that for myself. So yeah. I wouldn't say I betrayed myself in that relationship, but I was in a situation of extreme vulnerability and I, I had room to be, you know, manipulated and controlled by someone who just know how to play that game, which is okay because I wouldn't be the person. We wouldn't have this conversation if it wasn't for that episode. So I can only have kind of gratitude for that. But that was in my early 20s, looking for a savior. Yes, mm. go ahead. Thank you for, for sharing uh, that with us. Um, I hope it inspires other young women. Because it's true that when you don't know what you deserve, uh, I realize at moments when, you, as you just said, after a series of losses in your family and you're feeling very vulnerable, that's when these people also enter our lives, right? These people who will come and challenge us, these relationships that are not meant for us. It's also when we are in our most vulnerable spots that we enter those relationships. I'm just so proud that how you managed to get out of that relationship and transform your life. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. I saw a lot of women around me at the time when I was uh, living with that person. A lot of women my age or slightly older being trapped in a relationship and they decided that, well... That's why they're going to say they are unhappy, they are unsafe, they are unrespected. But what else could they do? And for me, it gave me the wing to just be like, no, this cannot be the end of my story. It doesn't look like that. After that, the impact it had after that on my uh, dating patterns was that I was looking for guys who were safe. And I never really bothered double checking if I truly had a connection with if my interest in the guy was genuine or if I was just happy being picked by someone who felt motivated enough to make me feel valid and safe, which is not a bad thing. It didn't come from a bad intention. It took me betraying myself to get into such relationships, I would say. Mm -hmm. The good thing is that I wasn't looking for a savior anymore because I've been able at that point to save myself. I think the next step of my evolution after that was being unapologetically authentic and true to myself and have the courage, despite that I was now in my 30s with all the pressure that comes with that, be able to say, you know what, time is passing by, mm -hmm. but I will mm -hmm. try not to settle for things that internally I don't agree with. And I am right in yeah. the between of that season, learning to listen to my voice and sometimes making the difference between my intuition being like, this might not be what you are looking for, but also sometimes the trauma mm -hmm. deceiving you into sabotaging yeah. a connection. <laughs> wow, that's, that's really amazing, you know. I see the consciousness, mm. you know, from your experience over time. Yeah. yeah. So my dream of marrying only one guy to fulfill my family's wish, uh, where it didn't work out, <laughs> right? I'm sure uh, I'm very, we've talked about this, but the pressure to that society puts on us also as uh, young African women, you know, you're out, you're fighting, you're studying, you're doing many things. And then people just throw in your face. Yeah, but if you're not married, it's not worth anything. Wow. I remember I went once uh, when I went to Cameroon and uh, met a cousin um, a family cousin I had not met before who was a judge in Yaoundé. And I was telling him how I just finished university and then, you know, all the how I struggled and then I'm so happy it worked out. You know what he told me? It's like, all of that is not valid if you're not married and you have children. 
I was flawed. I looked at that guy. I'm like, wow. So like, actually, my my whole being is of no value if I'm not uh, married and I have kids. Is that what you're saying? And that pressure that we put on young women, I think we have to ease it up. It's not easy, especially when you have like uh, trauma, you know, and you're there fighting, you're trying to stand and people are there to remind you all the time that you're not a full human being without this and that. That's without something you actually have no control yeah. over, which is even more. Yeah. And uh, it pushes people to enter relationships that are not for them or to stay in relationships. It's not even that it pushes people. Everyone around you encourages you to stay in relationships that are not for you because it's better to be married than be single, yes. right? How many times my family, some uh, wife has been beaten and then instead of people uh, talking to their husband, they say, ah, no, that's how marriage is. You have to suffer. You know, but why? And the guy, no one even go talk to the guy he, he's free to beat you next time yes. you know so i don't know these are things growing up that i didn't think it was okay and uh, actually i'm happy that my that my relationship didn't work out it was very painful at the time i felt as if someone cut my arm when it finished <laughs> but afterwards i think i was scared of dating so i took a break and then after i was just like entering relationships and then if i saw that the person was interested in me i would just like quit talking to the person just because i just got so stressed so heavily stressed that this person depends on me to feel an emotional need for them and that lasted for a long time I still got into another relationship where you talk about uh, love bombing mm-hmm. where the person at, like you hold it at the person you're not for me I know you're not for me we can be friends and the person takes it as a challenge mm-hmm. to prove to you that they can make you end that relationship with them they make a vacuum around you love bomb you like make your life as if they, like the life you want to have when you want to be saved yep. but of course it's not real right the person has another girlfriend. The person is in a long-term relationship. You don't know that. All that love bombing is to get you to enter in a, in a relationship with them until you discover what's going on. And then, you know, I see a pattern there that I entered again another relationship that was not for me. But I learned from the first. I saw the signs. Even though I didn't back out of the relationship quick enough, I saw the red flags this time. I saw the red flags. The, the love bombing, the disappearing, the phone that is turned off, they're not inviting you to their house and things like that. So I say, okay, this is not right. <laughs> you know? And that's powerful, um, you know? Yeah, I so think I don't know. That's a significant step. Mm-hmm. When you reach that stage in your life where you don't need closure, you don't need proof, you don't need confirmation mm-hmm. of what you know doesn't feel right. Like, this is not working for me and I don't even need you to provide me with an excuse or an explanation. I don't want this kind of pattern Mm -hmm. of lack of transparency, lack of communication, and I can leave the situation. Yeah. That is true growth. Yeah. Because most of us uh, in our younger years would wait to see with our eyes. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Now I caught you in the act with someone else. So I guess I need to leave the situation. Okay, now I get it. You know, now we don't need to be traumatized. We can feel like, "Mm, 
Yeah, that yeah. would be right. Yeah. Let me exit it with peace. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. No, no, go ahead. No, no. But it's fascinating what you said uh, about marriage, because I had that conversation with a friend very recently about how in most, I would say, conservative communities, we have turned marriage into an idol, which is actually an empty shell. It's an empty barrel. Mm -hmm. It's a title and nobody cares about the content. It's all about yeah. have a wedding, have a husband and start making kids. There's nothing about, honey, you need to work on yourself to heal and be a whole human being, to attract a whole human being mm. that you are going to be happy with. You need to have a life partner mm. that has your back and that makes you feel joy. There is not much said about the content. There's nothing about... Oh, I want you mm -hmm. to find love and be happy. No, we want you mm -hmm. to make our family, our tribe, our community look good with you having a proof that you have been mm -hmm. chosen. Your happiness needs don't really matter. It's a matter of getting a certification, yeah. a proof of uh, something. And that's why I believe there are so many dysfunctional relationship dynamics because people ever address the substance and the work we need to do ourselves to be good partners. Yeah. People neglect yeah. how, what role healthy relationships and partnership and marriages play into our society. Because if you are not whole enough to pick the proper partner and build the proper relationship, you're going to have kids that will be born in some mm -hmm. form or another of dysfunction which are going to make them wounded human beings yeah. who are not going to proper decision yeah. as adult citizens. And here is the society that you are operating with. This is the situation that we are in today. Even though this, this episode was about dating, we also love the fact that it gives us a small opportunity to look at how wrong our approach to marriage as a community is flawed and not really sustainable. No, it's true. I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, in my family, uh, over generations, Uh, girls, they, when they were 14, 15, they were married, you know. So there was no question of your needs, what marriage is about. It's just like girls were just tools. Uh, the families, they decide, bride price, and then uh, you're taken and given to an older man who already had wives and everything, and that was it for you. So when I had the choice, me, that I was not in that situation and I was not subjected to that situation. Mm -hmm. I chose to do things on my own terms. I did not accept the bride price. I did not do a big wedding. I did only a court wedding. That's a choice, you know, because big a bride price, who would accept the bride price? My uncle who uh, used to beat me up. Uh, sorry, I don't want him to accept the bride price. Okay, my father died, but <laughs> who abandoned me. So, you know, who would I be celebrating my wedding with? My abusers? No, sorry. That's not a happy day for me. I made something that Make sense for me. I made a we made a court wedding with our friends. I think like 30 people. We had a nice dinner and everything. That it, we made it simple and that reflected uh, the values I chose for myself because the values of my family I don't agree with. It's fine. It's their values, but I decide that for me this is what I want to do for myself. You know, of course, like you set your boundaries. Family has the family has to accept what you decide because no one has power over you. It's also a matter of changing things and showing. Other examples, I have daughters, so, you know, I want to show my daughters that, yeah, you make your choices, you know, make your choices to favor you and not favor society. You know, if you have to lose yourself to suit society, I think you should choose yourself. 
we are taught to lose ourselves for the benefit of yeah. the community and to maintain the status quo or whatever wasn't even working at the time. And I had this conversation with someone. Yeah. It was a rather heated conversation. I say that culture should be for the people. If the culture is not serving the people mm -hmm. anymore, we need to change the culture. Be a lifelong monolith yeah. that we worship and traumatized generation with when it's not working for the society as it is. And yeah. to my point of view, yeah. people should be allowed to have the marriage or the wedding that fits what they want because it's going to be mm -hmm. their wedding at the end of the day. They will have the responsibility yeah. to save their marriage on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not you, parents. It's, it's not you, elders. Most of you have dysfunctional marriages yeah. anyway. So what are we talking about? Yeah. And I love the fact that yeah. you designed the wedding you wanted for yourself. That okay. being said, it's easier to do when you are coming from some form of dysfunction and that you have already started the process of detach what you want from your life or what your family wanted. It's significantly more challenging where your dad was there, your mom was there, mm -hmm. they did their best and you know it and they paid for your school and they protected and they provide and now they are telling you how things should work mm -hmm. and that's where the real challenges come actually. Like, yeah, how do true. I affirm my needs without mm -hmm. this the relationship to parents that are expecting to have control of what I want to do next, which, uh, yeah. which doesn't necessarily yeah. work. And it's also fascinating that because of what you witnessed, you ideally, as a young girl, mm -hmm. wouldn't want to date, but rather find your husband and get married. For me, it was the total opposite. My mother got married mm -hmm. the day of her uh, 17th birthday. And... Uh, my father was the first man that she ever knew. Because of the dynamic of their relationship, it was my belief that getting married to the first person you ever knew put you in a very bad situation. A situation where you can think for yourself, you can make yeah. proper decisions, you can set boundaries. So, and I decided that as a young girl, not even knowing what relationship truly entailed, I was still in primary school. I was like, I am not going to marry my first boyfriend. I'm going to have <laughs> Oh, wow. One, two, three, maybe the third one, maybe the fourth one. But before that, I need to see for myself mm -hmm. what the world is like so that the guy I'm married doesn't brainwash me or I'm not under his yeah. control. It's not because my father was my mother's first man that she was under his control. It had several more layers. I came into dating life with very different <laughs> intention. That being said, I was super conservative. I didn't date until my late teens. But my intention was clear. And surprisingly, at the same time, I was craving love and yeah. feeling seen and hurt. Craving love. I was just looking for the right person to love me, which on your side, you were, when someone was starting to look attached, it would make you run away. And yeah, I was like, oh yeah, but this is one, like pick me, you know, mm -hmm, and, uh, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful journey anyway. What has worked successfully for you mm -hmm. to build healthier relationships? Wow. Yeah, that's a, a big question. So I'm someone I've always struggled with trust, you know, and mm. that's also the consequences of childhood trauma. Trusting someone is difficult in uh, all sorts of relationships, friendships, uh, romantic relationships and everything. So um, I'm in a relationship now since nine years, married the, since four years now with three daughters. So it's been an intense nine years, I would say. I think at first in this relationship, I was toxic. 
let's label things mm. as they are. I was the toxic one. I came in with a lot of, I always say when you open your heart, it's not only uh, love that flows out. All your past hurts, all your unresolved trauma, everything flows out along with the love you're trying to share with your partner. I think up to that point, I have never been in a relationship where I've safe, like really safe to really truly open myself. But I was so scared of being hurt that I was, again, very controlling. My partner wasn't showing me any signs like, you cannot trust me. But I was super controlling. I was checking his emails, his uh, phone, because I was like, he would cheat on me, he would cheat on me. But it was all from my past relationships, not something he did. He was like super chill there, you know, like, where if he says he's there, he's there, not somewhere else and stuff. But it took me, mind you, more than a year to start trusting him. And even till today, I still struggle with trust. But it's not from his part. Like, he's never given me any issue for me not to trust him or at one point I just had to see how dysfunctional I was and start working on myself because the problem too with all this baggage that we carry is that we don't reap the benefits of relationships because if you don't trust your you don't open your heart you will not feel all that warm that a relationship a good relationship can bring to you you're also sabotaging yourself in a relationship yeah so I've been learning I read a lot um, communication, love language. We always talk about this, I think. Uh, the five love languages, what has the most significance for you? Is it someone helping you with something you don't want to do, like a task, or writing you a love note, give, bringing you flowers you or chocolate? Yeah, things like that. Like what expression of love vibrates the most with you and then also for your partner and things like that. And also parenthood. Becoming a parent has been super triggering, like super, super triggering because it's as if I'm reliving my childhood. It's like a second childhood. It's not my childhood, but then I see where I was with the ages of my kids. For example, when I was four years old and then I see my daughter at four years old, I'm like, wow, like we are worlds apart. Uh, I was already fending for myself and then I see that a four-year-old doesn't know much about life. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh my God, she took my LOA doll. It's, it's the end of the world, you know? And then I was there by myself already, uh, you know, fending for myself. And uh, so, yeah, but it's in that also that all the healing, being conscious, discovering the triggers. Yes, because all these past hurt, they stay in us and we are triggered in relationships. We are triggered by many things. So knowing your triggers and knowing that this is a trigger, because if you don't realize that you're triggered, you're fighting with your partner thinking you're right. But most of the time when we are triggered, we are responding with 90% of past trauma and only 10% of the present situation. And when you don't know that, you're fighting all the time. It reminds me of a phrase that I heard, I believe it was in Dr. Phil, but I'm not sure. He said, if you're historical, it's historical. Yeah. And that hit me. He said, whatever mm -hmm. explosion of emotion that you have, anger, drama, whatever happened, whether it's in your personal or professional life, when you have that, you need to know that this is coming from your past. Yeah, yeah. Like something little like this has triggered you and your reaction over the board. And that sentence stick with me. Like every time I feel a rush of emotion and I want to react and say something, mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, 
That's an intense emotion, though. Yeah. Hmm, let's sit with it a little bit and analyze it. It's yeah. not necessarily related to, to dating per se, but as women, something that we need to pay attention to as well, besides our history and triggers, is our monthly cycle. Because yeah. the truth is, on You're top right. of whatever you are carrying in your mind and your past, there are times where you are not to be <laughs> messed with. And mm-hmm. you need to know sometimes you have this emotional rush, mm-hmm. which is in reaction is something that happened and your reaction feels appropriate but if it's intense even after checking if it's historical or historical or whatever you want you need to go and check your calendar and be like oh the girls are coming in three days Mm. (laughs) okay let's not study (laughs) because of hormones and let's sit with this and save a lot of uh, unnecessary conflict and trauma but I, i really love um how you turn the mirror onto yourself, especially when you say, I was the toxic one, because it allowed us also to have empathy toward toxic partners. You see what I mean? Like most of the time we just don't get them. You're like, you are mean and you're a bad person and I'm grateful I was out of there. But mm-hmm. your sharing and your testimony gave us an opportunity to understand better, especially mm-hmm. what you say that when you open your heart to love, yeah. everything comes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it flows all out. <laughs> we have angers, we have fears, we are throwing everything at you. And yeah. one just need to hope that they pick the partner who is going to be able to see beyond whatever negative mm-hmm. reaction and feelings that are being thrown at. But it's, I think it's so important also to give the permission for people that are super sensitive and maybe a bit mm-hmm. controlling and who are perceived by society as a whole as a bad guy or the bad girl, mm-hmm. some form of understanding and a way to healing. Yeah. But the challenge yeah. might be, how do you make the difference between a situation in which you need to grow in, it's triggering you, but you need to grow and find a way to work together and mm-hmm. a situation that's going to be hurtful and detrimental for you and that you need to exit. How do you make the difference? Yeah, especially for us, right? We don't know where the boundaries lie. We don't know mm-hmm. when it's too much. I think we have to accept we don't know and we are willing to learn, right? Share with others, be trusted people who are in relationship relationships do maybe their 12-step groups where you can um, if you live with past trauma you can join maybe a 12-step group they meet online these days adult children of alcoholic families and uh, alcoholic and dysfunctional families where you see people share about their own uh, relationship struggles and it's really fascinating when you don't become conscious of these patterns they rule your life and you see your mother you're like oh I will never be like my mother and then you end up just being exactly like your mother you don't know what happened you tried everything not to be like her but then you end up like her oh how did this happen because i see people when i go to these meetings sharing that people who are 55 60 years old they're like oh my god like they i was screamed on with the same tone and everything and i promised myself i would never do that so we have to get into communities like groups where we can share safe groups where we can share things and get feedback, like compassionately share and get feedback so that we know what is right or not right. And then therapy is always something. I know that for us in our communities, people don't go to, yeah, friends, not people who want to show you that their life is okay or like really like safe spaces where you can genuinely share and get like genuine feedback, like exchange with other people. I think that is the best way. Yeah, everything starts with consciousness. Consciousness 
experiences that you have yes. across them. And also, you know, better self-awareness, right? Beyond the problem was yeah. something that truly helped me after significantly betrayed myself in a relationship that wasn't truly serving me or my potential. Spend a lot of time deep diving into myself. So I had to take again that MBTI test about my personality type. I had to learn more about my love language and what needs were not fulfilled. But I also had to deep dive into, hey, you have been always reactive, having this guy show up, being mildly interested and you giving him the opportunity to be in a relationship with you. But what do you want? Not necessarily in the relationship, but in your life. What is your vision? What are your goals? What yeah. are your values? Yeah. What are the needs that are attached to mm -hmm. this goal? Since you don't feel like you have the skills and the mindset to make rational decisions in your relationship, at least for your life, what do you want? Not that there's no man in the picture. Mm -hmm. And it took me months, vision mm -hmm. board, journaling, listening, reading, and all that to define what I wanted for my life. And because I had that clear vision, now I knew the type of relationship I needed to match that. I needed to have someone who was like mm -hmm. this, a little bit like that, and who wanted a relationship that has the competence and the willingness to build a relationship that was as such. And it gave me so much clarity and it allowed me to weed out all unsuitable candidates. I, I may say, mm -hmm. and it helped me tremendously. It also reminded me something that I learned from a dating coach. It's the theory of a castle. We have, when we are dating, mm -hmm. a tendency to idolize people we have a connection with. Oh my God, we have such a good connection. I admire her. We have a connection. We have chemistry. Wow. We have potential. I hope I make this work. But in reality, the guy said that we need to idolize less people, but always having a clear vision of the relationship we want. And if the person that is in front of you have the potential to participate into such relationship. And he said that it's just like the relationship is a castle and the guy you have connection with is sitting in front of you, in front of a plot of land, beautiful potential, nice view, forest, proximity of whatever you want. But when it comes time to building, it's not showing up. You are alone on the construction side, mm -hmm. building a castle on your own while mm -hmm. he's calling you from times to times like, hey, you up? How are you doing? How is the castle going? And you are fantasizing a relationship that you are the only builder of. It's someone that is not ready and I find it enlightening as well in a way to set your boundaries like, mm, I like this guy but it's about yeah. the relationship I want and even though he's good looking and he makes me feel as such he's not either willing or mm -hmm. able to participate in that and I think that helps on top of have a script even if it's a pre written script just like you were not born able to mm -hmm. present yourself in five minutes during an interview you had to work on that so same mm -hmm. thing how to set yeah. your boundaries prepare a script that will help you do that and also very mm -hmm. important is um, self-love and self-care even though you were not nurturing yeah. well enough in the child to love yourself in a healthy way people just taught yeah. you how to love yourself in a healthy way to know what that vision and goals are for you and to show up consistently for yourself to rest yeah. to pamper yourself if needed to take care of your health to prioritize your space you will get into the habit of yeah. loving you and showing a future partner how to love you because otherwise yeah. you will be facing the risk of attracting people that will love you in whatever way is comfortable for you and being unhappy and unsatisfied. Additionally yeah. to that, I would say uh, knowledge. Read books, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. get coaching. Yeah, yeah. People believe that they have to go to school for half of their life to be a good professional, but nobody values the importance of education when it comes to building healthier relationships. I love that. See, <laughs> and you talk about therapy, couples therapy, 
therapy. Like sometimes having the humility to say that, to be honest, my parents, I wasn't a witness of everything, so I'm not going to work with the parents. I'm not going to work with the elders of my village because I know that culturally that doesn't feel the type of relationship I am into. I'm going to go with a safe professional that is going to help us resolve conflict, whatever is happening. And we are going to invest in that if we are able to invest in expensive cars or in expensive wedding back homes or in drug prices, whatnot. We are able to invest in a relationship professional that is going to help us solve problems and develop the skills to solve the problems on our own. And like therapy, it shouldn't be optional or considered mm-hmm. as something from Western culture or something like that. We need to have the humility to there yeah. getting into that space and become a student of our relationship just as we invest mm-hmm. in our MBA, our PhD, our work promotion and all that. Yeah. I agree with you. That's a wonderful point, you know. Uh, if you invest in your building that brain muscle, you can invest in building that heart muscle, building that emotional resilience, you know. And also, even uh, Michelle Obama says, uh, even myself, I've been in therapy. There are situations in life that arise where maybe the communication is not so good anymore. You go to therapy for a few sessions, you know, the person is a neutral outsider, so there are no sides picked there, and there's no strategy or manipulation. It's not someone's mom or sister. So it's a neutral person with neutral questions that sometimes we don't want to ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. And from that, it can kick the conversation going and uh, bad things. And um, I would also say that, as you said, loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves is a priority because when we don't know what we stand for, we follow anybody uh, into a relationship and follow their values because we don't know what we accept for ourselves or not. We have to know for ourselves what we accept, what our needs are, and know that our needs are important. We can be upset. It's allowed. I know I used to pretend I'm not upset when I was inside. I was like so angry and stuff. No, uh, you can be upset if something is not okay. You just have to learn to express it in a way that doesn't attack the other party, right? And so that the person understands your point instead of dismissing it as, oh, she's angry again or something like non-violent that. Non-violent communication. And, um, yeah, non-violent communication. These are things that we can all coach you on yes. <laughs> for those who are interested. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, there's one point I wanted to make because I always see people saying we have to work on ourselves before entering a relationship. Mm. You can enter a relationship without perfectly loving yourself, but it has to become a mission to love and take care of yourself because um, no one else is going to love you more than you love yourself. How can you expect someone else to love you more than you love yourself? How is that fair? The thing is, you never even feel the love because you don't love yourself. So even if the person spends their whole life loving you, you never really feel it. And it's a shame. And so it would be focusing on yourself and knowing yourself, trusting yourself more. Uh, It's like with the job, with the episode on workaholism, where when we're looking for jobs, we are always like, oh my God, I hope they pick me. I hope they pick me. It's like with a relationship, instead of being in this, I hope they pick me, they save me. Understand you have agency. Mm. You know, you have to, okay, do I pick this person? Is this person good for me? For you to get there, you have to know yourself and trust that what you want for yourself is valid. And then when you see somebody that 
you know, you think could be a potential partner for you and then you try it out. But it's not being in that disempowered position that often trauma puts us in where we are there waiting to be picked and be saved and be chosen. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I was in that position for a very long time. For many, many years, you know, my, also we, we often talk about and that's this concept of the inner child, right? Because trauma survivors, their inner child, it's their little self that lives inside of all of us. Our inner children, uh, we can have several, you know, in prime childhood, adolescence. So with a wounded inner child, we have to know that sometimes when the inner child is triggered and comes out, it's that lack of nurture that we didn't have when we were growing up. So it's something that we have to connect with our inner child and do a process of nurturing and reassuring that inner child that will bring peace to our overall uh, being. I don't know what you think about the concept of uh, the inner child. Oh, I'm totally aligned with it. That healing the inner child has probably been on top of my priorities for 2020. And it comes back to loving yourself, showing up for yourself consistently, having some sort of self-discipline, treating yourself as if you were raising a child or raising a pet that you absolutely love and asking yourself, will mm-hmm. I allow my child to go through this? And it's a very good mm-hmm. compass to leverage when you are mm-hmm. exploring dating or dating yourself. And it's a way of taking care of yourself when you haven't been taught to by adults in your life how to do that properly. Well, yeah, and uh, I know that sometimes it's hard for people to accept to, to do this work because accepting that we grew up in dysfunctional families means that we are criticizing our parents and the thing is you can accept that your parents did their best they did not fully give you what you needed to be a thriving adult today um both can coexist you can accept that okay my parents they did their best but today i need to go to therapy i need to work on myself i have low self-esteem sometimes it blocks people to think that oh but if i say that my family was dysfunctional so it means i'm criticizing my parents well as an adult who if when you choose yourself you have the right to even criticize your parents and still have a relationship with them and then do things differently for yourself. All of that is okay. I so agree with that. Do you have any final thoughts, anything that you want to share with the people? Any final advice, words of wisdom? Well, as a, as a young girl who grew up in Cameroon, um, I just wish um, young girls, young women, take more agency into their hands for the relationships they enter. I hope they feel less pressured. They will gain more consciousness to put that pressure they will receive by society in its right place and follow their own intuition and do things in their own right time. That's really what I hope for listeners out there to not succumb to this pressure and uh, marry anybody just to make society, uh, reassure society uh, that we are doing what they want Mm -hmm. and actually follow our own intuition and do things in our own pace, in our own alignment. I think that's that's my greatest wish. I love that. It reminds me of the former CEO of MTN in Cameroon who was an absolutely fascinating South African women who say that the most important decision or investment a woman will make in her life and career is the type of partner she choose to make life with. And even if it's still very much in our culture to rush people because of biological clock and deadlines into matrimony, there is significant loss to experience when you are in the wrong relationship, whether it's physically, mentally, financially, socially. Also, unnecessarily regret and shock and trauma that could have been avoided if you were patient enough to just 
find the person the right fit. So anyway, it's a learning process, but I just hope to and wish people to heal themselves, know themselves better, free themselves and enjoy life as much as they can because they deserve it. <laughs> That's an amazing talk, Candace. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation. As always. Talk soon. <laughs> yeah, talk soon, Candace. <laughs>